Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Allie Warshavsky. And today on our podcast, we are speaking with Scott Livingston, CEO of Horse Engineering. And we are both here fresh off of a press conference that you just held, celebrating 75 years as a family-owned business. And you have this press conference not only to celebrate, but also show people what aerospace engineering is really like in 2021. And we were talking about how there's a lot of misconceptions about that. So Scott is here to clear those up. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Allie. It's good to be with the CBIA today. And as I mentioned, and as we've been talking about all morning, it is a family-owned business. Explain the history of this. How did you begin? So uh, Horst Engineering was founded in 1946 by my grandfather. His birth name was Horst Rolf Liebenstein. And he came from Germany when he arrived at Ellis Island in October of 1938, changed his name to Harry Livingston, kind of an Americanized name. But uh, you fast forward today and uh, we've been around for 75 years. He was the first generation and uh, the second generation was his uh, three sons. My father, Stanley, my uncle, Stephen, and my uncle, Bert. My mom joined uh, the two older brothers in the early 80s as uh, G2. And then uh, I've been involved here full-time since the mid-90s. And I was, as I was touring this facility today, it seems like you guys kept a lot of the history in there. Some of the conference rooms are named after your family members. I believe there is one even named after a place in Europe as well, right? Where your great-great-grandfather came from? Correct. Yeah. So uh, my grandfather came from Bad Liebenstein, which was a town in East Germany. Uh, Bad means spa in German. Liebenstein is Loving Stone. So you can kind of see where the name Livingston came from. And uh, our learning center is named after Bad Liebenstein. And that's where we do a lot of our continuous improvement, uh, larger meetings. Uh, It's our in-house classroom. And then, as you mentioned, many of the other conference rooms are named after um, our founders. My my grandmother, Sylvia, played an important role in the business. It's it's interesting, too, that the, the conference rooms uh, all have a designation. So when, when we were working with the designer to outfit them with the best technology and the, the best uh, furniture, she needed us to rank them. Some people rank things platinum, gold, silver, bronze. We went with stellite, titanium, inconel, and aluminum, which if you're in the industry, you would understand. Yeah, that seems like a, a big family of entrepreneurs and you want to keep that legacy going. You're in East Hartford now. We, again, just celebrated the 75th anniversary, but also we toured this brand new facility. And and let's talk about the history of where you guys were first located to where you are now. Um, Where was your first concrete location? And I'm assuming it was a lot smaller than the one we saw today. Yeah, so here's a cool tag. We were at 602 Garden Street in Hartford from 1946 to 1950. And then my grandfather built what he thought would be his dream plant, uh, 4,000 square feet on three acres on Cedar Street in East Hartford. And that's where we were headquartered until this year. That building was added on to three times over the years. Uh, There was many interior renovations, a mezzanine was added. Then the family acquired a building across the street on Cedar Street in East Hartford. We actually, expanded with an operation in Sonora, Mexico uh, from uh, 2015 to 
let's see, working backwards, so it was 2006 to 2015. And then in the midst of that, we acquired a business in Lynn, Massachusetts called Sterling Machine. When we, when we moved back from Mexico, we had to add a plant site on Burnham Street in South Windsor. So you get to 2018 and we were operating from four buildings in uh, three towns, two different states. And uh, this was before the pandemic, we were booming primarily with our aerospace business, but it was soon realized that we needed to consolidate for the efficiencies. And that launched this project to acquire this blighted building also in East Hartford, about 101,000 square feet. So in total, all of our buildings, about half the size of this and um, effectively doubling our space. Now we didn't count on the pandemic throwing a wrench in the works, um, but it's taken a lot of perseverance to complete the, this project, which was a massive renovation and then fully consolidate everything, including the Massachusetts operations. Now you chose Connecticut, um, obviously your family has a history here and you chose East Hartford. Um, as you mentioned, you had locations in several places at one point. Why did you decide to invest in Connecticut? I mean, Connecticut is definitely home for us. Um, we understand the landscape. Naturally, some of the most high-tech companies in the world are based here, or at least have substantial operations here. And uh, with aerospace, the Connecticut River Valley is, is, is probably the best ecosystem in the world. I mean, people claim uh, Los Angeles, Seattle, Detroit, you know, wherever, emerging corridors in Arizona, where we were in Sonora, Florida, but I think that the oldest and longest standing and best is here in Connecticut and in Southern New England in general. So we definitely had opportunities. We, we, at one time we looked to expand in Massachusetts. Uh, we were uh, looking for buildings there. We were gonna have sort of a dual operation. Uh, Massachusetts is notoriously friendly to businesses, but it, there's just a different vibe there. And in the end, the pandemic sort of changed things and it became a complete consolidation don't get me wrong, we're fully committed to Connecticut. Uh, you know, some of our customers obviously source globally. Many of our customers source globally, but there is still a need for advanced manufacturing and Connecticut is one of the best places to do it. And you know better than I do, it's, it's the workforce. It's, it's people, people, people. Well, well, and we'll get into the workforce in a second, but I want to know, um, and people who are watching this will see images of your new facility, but what is the aerospace industry like today? Because what I saw um, as someone who doesn't work in manufacturing or engineering clearly um, was a lot of life, a lot of space, very bright, um, different than what you might have thought of manufacturing in 1999, correct? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up in a different kind of factory and my father and uncle grew up in an even different kind of factory from that. You know, we've improved over the years and even at our old locations, we were modern. We had the best equipment, the best tooling, the best gauging. We had the best lighting that we could for that particular location. But the overall environment was different because it was aged. Nowadays, any high-tech industry, whether it's it, you know aerospace, medical devices, semiconductor, uh, power generation, any of those markets where precision machine components are needed, typically the assembly operations are very high-end. You know, similar to what you saw at our factory this morning. And now the trend is that the manufacturing itself is extremely high end. When we polled our employees prior to the renovation, 
We wanted to know what type of amenities they wanted. And, you know, questions were related to like, you know, the cafeteria, the gym, the bathrooms. And naturally there were upgrades with that type of stuff. But two, two things came to the top. Uh, and number one was people wanted better lighting and they wanted more access to natural light. And the second thing they wanted was they wanted cleaner air. And in manufacturing, you know, we use coolants and oils and, and other, uh, 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 other items that can, you know, clog the air. Um, but when you invest in the right HVAC and filtration, you can overcome that. Same thing for lighting, you know, uh, giving people access to the outdoors through large windows really changed the way we renovated the building. But I think we hit a home run. You know, it, it's very much inspired by factories that I visited both in Europe, like in Switzerland, Germany, but also in Japan, where you'll see a factory nestled into a mountainside. And there's a strong connection between the industrial world and the natural world. We wanted to bring that to the employees. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I, I like that there's that half mile walking path that if you wanted to use on your lunch break. Um, you know, we you just talked about workforce and Connecticut is a great place to find um, educated employees. But also, it's been a challenging time to rebuild and, or I should say, um, bring on more people to your workforce. Uh, we were discussing that last week. Uh, you know, finding talented people is not not a challenge that we're not used to. All right, I mean, it's predated uh, COVID nineteen or anything that we've been going through the past eighteen months. You know, for twenty five or thirty years, manufacturers have had a difficult time finding good people. You know, when I started in the early 90s, we were in the midst of the worst recession up until that point that had ever affected aerospace and defense industries. Connecticut was on its knees in the 1992 to 1995 timeframe. This was the end of the Cold War and everything changed for uh, advanced manufacturing at that time. Those of us serving the defense industry had to kind of remake ourselves. And that's when commercial aerospace started to take off. And there was a a massive round of layoffs where the big manufacturers who used to employ all these people started to outsource to the supply chain. We were able to take advantage of that, but it seems like ever since then, there's been a sort of a perception that manufacturing is not a great career path. But I think we've overcome that. And I know we keep eating the same drum. Literally for five years now, there's been big improvements. You know, I mentioned in my speech this morning, Goodwin University, as Nantuck Community College, Tonksis Community College, Manchester Community College, even some of the high schools like Cheney Tech. You know, these are the successors to the old days, right? Where my uh, uncle grew up, he went to Hartford State Tech. They used to churn out tool and die makers. But that was in the 60s. Then there was a huge gap somewhere between the early 70s and essentially the late 2000s tens, uh, a lack of investment, lack of interest in manufacturing, decades of outsourcing, mistrust with the large customers at the top of the industries that precision machine parts are used for. But I really do think that's changed. And you know, we can't look back. We can only look ahead. Building a factory like the one you know, behind me here is uh, one way to attract that next generation of skilled workers. And you said you are working with the local community colleges and trade schools too to retain that talent here in Connecticut. Yeah, we have uh, some pretty strong partnerships. I mean, we're fortunate to be right here in East Hartford. 
Uh, we've got Goodwin University. We also have CCAP, which does a lot with manufacturers in Connecticut throughout the state, but in particular in Hartford County. So we're close to these people. We stay in touch. Uh, we held a career fair in June, just as we were opening this building and getting settled. We had 45 people come. Many of them were graduates of those local tech schools we talked about. We made some hires and we'll make more hires in the future. Yeah, your space, I know they're showing us there was empty cubicles with the plan to fill them with more employees soon. And, and you're a company of about 90 employees? Yeah, we're between 85 and 90 right now. You know, we're obviously down from our peak in 2019. I think we had our best year ever in 2019 from a financial perspective. And then even the first quarter of 2020 was probably our best quarter in history, best quarter in 74 years, right? And then, you know, we ran into the, the you know, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that we've had to make some difficult adjustments, difficult decisions. There's some folks that um, didn't stay through the move process, but now that we're here, we're repositioning ourselves for an upswing. It's not all going to be in aerospace this time. I mean, we've been dedicated to aerospace because we were so busy with aerospace and the large customers in that industry tend to consume your capacity. It's very hard because they're so demanding. That's what makes manufacturers in Connecticut so strong. The suppliers, the small suppliers end up stepping up, upping their game because the expectations of the customers are so high. But now we're using this opportunity and the move to diversify we're looking at other markets where high precision components are needed. You know, at the core of what we do is metalworking, but we work with such difficult metals, difficult to machine metals, difficult to form. And we work with uh, an entire ecosystem of suppliers to complete parts. You know, we rely on the heat treater in South Windsor. We rely on the coating company in Springfield. We rely on the testing company literally across the street. You know, so there's an entire ecosystem of special process suppliers. Then you need your machine tool suppliers. You need your tooling suppliers. Then you need your raw material, right? So again, CBIA is a great spokesperson, spokes company, spokes organization for what, why manufacturing is so, so added value. It's because of the compound effect that uh, this ecosystem produces. And you're talking right about that supply chain. And, and I, I believe someone, I'm not sure if it was you mentioned at this press conference, like, a few years ago, you never heard supply chain issue in the news as much as you do now. You know, are you feeling the effects of that supply chain um, shortage right now? You know, with, with our operations, it's only here and there, right? You know, mostly spare parts for equipment. You know, our raw material is sourced domestically because of the defense content. We've got local distributors. You know, we're seeing price increases for sure. So inflation is an issue. But in terms of lacking supply. I think the biggest impact uh, with our operations is when suppliers are short on their human resources. Now with the building project, we saw a lot of a lot of shortages over the past 18 months, past really the past 24 months. Uh, during the renovation, uh, you know, couldn't get windows, couldn't get appliances for the cafeteria, missing toilets. Uh, you know, it just took longer to get everything done. We probably should have had this ribbon cutting a year ago. Well, we were happy to be at it today. And my last question for you is, what would make it easier for you to do business, stay in business here in Connecticut? The, the biggest thing would be the change in perception about what manufacturing is. Often I focus on 
the vibe. I call it the manufacturing vibe. Uh, really overall the business vibe because CBIA isn't just about manufacturing. CBIA is about business. You know, I listened to the Made in America podcast last week with Ari Santiago and his uh, guest was Governor Ned Lamont. And they had a similar conversation to the one that we're having here about what makes Connecticut unique, uh, what can be done to help Connecticut uh, be more business friendly. And a lot of it comes down to attitude. You know, we just all need to be more positive. I think we've got a little bit of a bump as a result of the pandemic and the exodus out of metropolitan New York. You know, maybe they don't make it as far as Hartford. We've got work to do in that city. But I think that kids, meaning the college graduates, uh, high schoolers with, with uh, tech skills, will stick around. I think Connecticut is a great place to live. You know, I, I have lived here my whole life, but I've lived elsewhere. You know, I went to school in Boston, so I, I, I miss Boston. You know, the game last night, you know, brought back fond memories of living in Kenmore Square uh, when I went to school. And uh, I think about Connecticut because we're kind of in between New York and, and, and Boston, but I realize that we've got a great place for families. We've got great place for outdoor enthusiasts. And it's really a great place to work. So that, you know, to get back to your question, summarizing, I would say that it's that perception that business can succeed in Connecticut. And we all need to be more positive about that. I loved that message. I noticed the Red Sox teddy bear in your office. And I told Chris, that's the only thing I would change as a Yankees fan. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, today's a good day to be a Red Sox fan. It we've, is, uh, it is. We've had our own heartbreak in the past. <laughs> Yes, you have the bragging rights today. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe on Apple, on YouTube, and of course, visit CBIA.com for more.